the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. I take issue with that self-involved a little bit. Self-indulgent, certainly not. It's 6.05 p.m. on the East Coast of the United States of America. It's Monday, August 24th, 2020. It's episode 264 of the Anakin Florian podcast. You got the black T-shirt memo. I mean, you look great. How about Ian Parker last week saying you're north of 185 pounds? Not even close, IP. Not even close. You look like 177, <laughs> which is lightweight, next day fighting weight, essentially. I thought he was saying he was north of 185 pounds. Uh, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not lean. I'm not lean, but uh, ah. not, not that big. Yeah. So uh, a lot to get to as usual. I'm disappointed. You're not going to Las Vegas to corner Ryan Hall, but I guess that yes. gives us more time to talk about Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz and everything else. As we recap yes, UFC fight night, also time permitting, we'll, we will get into the now official main event between Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. Obviously Ken Flo knows T would quite well. So I'm curious to get his thoughts on that. Uh, but let's talk about this main event and Frankie Edgar getting it done. He'll be 39 years of age in October. He wins it by split decision, 48-47 times two. The dissenting judge had it four to one, 49-46 for Pedro Munoz. So I'd rather talk about the fight than the scoring can flow, even mm-hmm. though I do think they are inexorably linked. So first, let's start with the fight and all the good there was for Frankie, because I know a lot of people think Pedro Munoz won the fight. It's a close main event, as oftentimes elite fights are over 25 minutes. Frankie gets it done. And uh, as a, as happy as a Boston guy can be for a Jersey guy, I'm happy for Frankie Edgar. I'm very happy for Frankie Edgar, uh, obviously a true legend of the game, um, you know, going down to 135 pounds for the first time facing a very difficult opponent in Pedro Munoz. Uh, I thought he responded very well. Um, I thought he made the proper adjustments. I thought his corner was uh, on to a, a lot of the things that he should have been changing out there. Um, and, I, you know, for me, I just thought that he stayed busier throughout the fight. Um, I thought, you know, initiating with some of those takedowns was really good. And I thought yep. he made Pedro Munoz miss a lot. And, and, and I think that Pedro Munoz was the guy who was moving forward. Um, uh, but I don't think he was as active. And I also think he was missing a lot of those combinations. Uh, and both those guys landed big shots. Frankie Edgar landed some good right hands and, uh, and hooks as did, uh, Pedro Munoz. And I think the story of the fight for Munoz was that leg kick. I think he was really doing a great job of slowing Frankie down. You could see that Frankie was hurt. Uh, and that that's always a great strategy. Uh, just like Henry Cejudo did against Dominic Cruz. Anytime you get a guy with excellent footwork and that's a major part of that game, uh, you got to slow him down. What's the best way to do it? Leg kicks. And relative to how injured or hurt, I should say, Frankie Edgar's leg was, I thought he did a great job sort of hiding that and not Mm -hmm. making it seem like he was compromised so as to maybe affect the judges in a positive way. I feel like Pedro Munoz blocked a lot of shots, right? I think a lot of people who listen to the broadcast, Ken Flo, felt like we sort of were one-handedly calling it for Pedro Munoz. And again, I'm not trying to talk about the broadcast today. I'm really not, right? But 
Dominic and I both thought Pedro Munoz won the fight. I will tell you that. You know, I did look to him and say 2-2 after 4. I didn't really know exactly where we were, despite the fact that most people online thought that it was 3-1 to for Pedro Munoz going into the 5th. Um, but I just thought that not only, you're right, did Frankie make Pedro miss a lot. You know, I thought after the first 7 or 8 minutes, Pedro raised his guard. The numbers tell you that Pedro outlanded him in terms of significant strikes, even though I don't care much about the numbers. But I yeah. will get them out there. 166-135 to 135 for Munoz in terms of these significant strikes. The 301 combined significant strikes landed. New single fight UFC bantamweight record. Former record was a Munoz fight as well. 279. Munoz landed 105. And Aljamain Sterling landed 174. And that was a three-round fight. So obviously this one as a five-rounder takes the record. I also want to add Edgar becomes the 11th fighter in modern UFC history to earn a victory in three weight classes. Joining Conor McGregor, Eric Koch, Ildemar Alcantara, George Roop, Diego Sanchez, Lucas Martins, Manville Gamborian, Anthony Showtime Pettis, Jared Cannonier, and Kenny Florian. Only 11 of them to win in three weight classes. Actually, I think Ken Flo won a fight at 185 pounds, so that's actually four divisions. But that's neither here nor there, just informing the younger portion of our audience as usual. Um, but as far as leaving the judges out of it. I mean, you almost never hear that out of my hands, but Pedro Munoz wants a rematch and uh, I don't think he's going to be afforded one. Uh, I mean, do you think Pedro, Pedro feels like he was robbed. Uh, robbery is certainly not a word that I'm going to trot out today. I mean, you had it for Frankie. How close do you think this fight was? Uh, I thought it was very close. Um, it really could have gone either way. You definitely can't call that a robbery, um, you know, in a fight like that, I don't know if Pedro's going to get going to get a rematch after that one. Um, it, it was close, but I think it would be one thing. I think a rematch is deserved. Uh, um, if I felt that Pedro Munoz definitely, you know, won three of the rounds or four of the rounds, uh, you know, right. and he did it convincingly, then then I think a rematch is warranted. Right. But when you get a fight that, that that is that close, yeah, um, you know, I think he's been in MMA a long time. I think he's upset because he had such a great opportunity there in a main event against a legend and right. Frankie Edgar that he didn't get the nod. Um, but uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen at this point. No, and I think you're right, too. This is a massive disappointment for him. Back-to-back -back losses. He had to wait a year since the Aljamain Sterling fight longer than a year because he had COVID-19 to get back in there. And you're right. When you think about having that scalp, having that win over Frankie Edgar on your resume and what that can do in terms of propelling your career forward. Yes, you're right. He is obviously dejected. He said, I've always done my talking in the octagon, but this needs to be said. I work too hard to get screwed by poor judges who have no training and even less accountability. Look at the stats and the damage. Look at the 17 of 20 media sites who agreed. I won seven of which had it 49, 46. Tell me how the deciding judge gave round three to Frankie. He's a legend, but I won that fight and I want a rematch now. So that's my issue, right? Is that third round? So the three judges, Derek Cleary, Eric Colon, and Sal D'Amato. So Derek Cleary had it 48-47 for Frankie and gave him rounds two, three, and five. So that's my biggest issue. When you look at the statistical discrepancy, when you look at the verdict MMA global scorecard and look at that third round singularly, that's my issue. And I'm going to take it a step further, Ken Flo. And, you know, we interpret the judges' scorecards the way we interpret it. 3-2, three, 3-2, two, three, two, and 4-1, and that's it. Two to one, very simple. But if you do it in an aggregate way, Ken Flo, and I'm not mm -hmm. trying to go into some mathical equation here, but if you add up the aggregate scores, it's 143 to 142 for Pedro Munoz, okay? If you mm -hmm. add up the total rounds handed out by those three judges, okay? If you don't like that number, throw that out. If you break it down round by round, right, Derek Cleary had 
rounds one and four for Munoz. Eric Colon had rounds three and four for Munoz. Sal Diamato obviously had four rounds for Munoz. So, all right, very quickly, let me say this. Two out of three judges had Pedro Munoz in round one. Okay, so you give Pedro Munoz that round. All three judges had Frankie Edgar dominantly in round two. Edgar gets that round. Two of three judges had Munoz in round three. So you give Pedro that round. And then all three judges gave Munoz round four. So depending on how you even break down those three judges' scorecards, those three judges had a 3-2 for Pedro. So I don't know if you go to five judges. MMADecisions.com, 19-4 to for Munoz. I didn't know who won after calling those 25 minutes. I'm just saying. The fact that the judges were so all over the place when it comes to their individual round scoring and that Pedro technically had more points, according to those three judges, I understand why he's a little bit upset here on a Monday. I didn't do that as officially as I would have liked, but you get the you get the point. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, MMA verdict, um, who who I really like as well. I think they had it for Frankie by, you know, a yep. hair. Um, I think he edged him, edged him out there. But. Um, you know, it, it's tough, man. Listen, I, I think that from the perspective of where the judges are in the octagon, you just don't see all the action, period. Um, you, you just don't. And again, um, I, considering that a couple of those rounds were pretty close, you know, you miss a punch here and there. You miss this yeah. and that. All right. uh, of course, you could have gone the either way. And broadcasters are guilty of it as well, right? If maybe I was seeing more Munoz lands than Edgar lands, and, and that's why maybe some people take exception with the call. So Verdict MMA, this sort of composite global MMA scorecard, it's the first place I go after a close five-round main event. So they had an Edgar 47.61 and Munoz 47.51. But again, Verdict had rounds one, three, and four for Pedro Munoz. Some of those were very close. But again, mm -hmm. if you go deeper on the verdict card. It's like they even had three rounds to two for Pedro. So mm -hmm. big picture. I didn't want to spend that much time on it. I'm happy for Frankie Edgar. It's a, a legitimate two-year setback in terms of divisional contention for Pedro Munoz. But as we spin it forward for Frankie Edgar, it was nice to hear Dana White acknowledge Aljamain Sterling over the weekend as the number one contender. Seems like a lot of people want to see Frankie Edgar fight Dominic Cruz. I don't think Dom has a great appetite for that fight, if I'm being honest. What do you think is next for FE after uh, what was obviously a big win? I think that'd be a great fight. You know, I think those are two guys that are legitimate legends, both uh, champions uh, in, in the UFC, obviously different weight classes. But um, I think that's a fight that would be really interesting. Both those guys uh, have great footwork, um, you know, big names in the sport. Uh, I think it'd be a real technical chess match. Um, and, uh, I'd be fascinated to watch it, man. So uh, I think, I think it's a fun fight. Uh, why didn't, why, why doesn't Dominic want that fight? Well, again, I think it was just a conversation we had in the dressing room after the fact. I just don't know mm -hmm. that. I just think he has maybe uh, younger lions that he wants to prove himself against. You know, okay. I don't know. Uh, but I do think a Cruz Edgar, I'm with you. I'm aligned with you. Mm. I'm trying to convince him five rounds or otherwise. Uh, I think that fight makes a ton of sense. Uh, and I think even Dominic Cruz against Jose Aldo makes sense as well. But uh, we'll see. But good news is Dom's talking about fighting, and obviously Frankie is firmly back in the mix and uh, still has a lot to prove despite the fact that he's creeping up on being a man and being 40 years old. Uh, we'll get to slow Mike Rodriguez, time permitting. Big win for him in the co-main event against Marcin Pracnio. But I want to get into some of these upsets, Ken Flo. So Shauna Dobson closed on broadcast at plus 800 against Maria Agapova, but she closed at the Circus Sportsbook at plus 1150, which makes it good for the second biggest betting upset in MMA history and the largest upset in UFC history. So top upset in MMA history was Sokaju plus 1350 against Little Nog. That was Pride 33 in 2007. 
Holly Holm did not close at plus 1100. So Dobson at a legitimate sportsbook closed at plus 1150, Ken Flo. It's the number one betting upset in UFC history that we saw over the weekend. It's pretty wild. You know, I, I thought that, um, you know, uh, the, what, she's from Kazakhstan, right? Agapova. Yes. Agapova. Sorry. Agapova. Um, she just came out way too hot, man. You know, she was, she hot. was going crazy. I, I mean, again, there's no way there's no fighter in the world that was able, that was going to be able to sustain that kind of emotion and that kind of a pace. It was silly. If I'm being candid, I mean, right, it was just, right. I, I don't know what she was thinking. Um, and, and, you know, the problem is, you know, at the low levels, at the low levels of the sport, aggression goes a far, uh, go, goes a long way. Um, it just, she wasn't going to be able to sustain it. Um, you know, there's a lot of mistakes, uh, on her part and, you know, Dobson took advantage of it, and uh, it was great to see her get the win, man. That I, I was tempted. I was like, "Oh wow, that's an interesting thing yeah, right there." Man. I didn't know enough about her, but man, um, anytime you see that kind of huge disparity on 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 the on the card like that, um, I thought that would be an interesting bet for a lot of our gamblers out there. So Maria Agapova had come in after just thrashing a very tough Hannah Cyphers, and she was all the rage. And I don't know if it was her look or her toughness, but she was drawing even comparisons to someone like Joanna Yoon Jacek. And, and you were sort of telling people they needed to slow that roll. You know, someone asked me from a betting perspective, it's like, how do you not throw a 50 bag on, on Sean yeah. Dobson, right? She's three and four. So the fact that she was below 500, I think certainly resonated with odds makers who didn't like that. They looked at Agapova's last fight and saw a lot of promise in her, obviously. Um, but if you dig deeper and you look at Shauna Dobson, the longtime Lloyd Irvin pupil, now back-to-back -back training camps at altitude, at elevation fight team with Sean Madden and everybody else. Like, you know, you felt like she would, if she could withstand some of that craziness early, she could get it done. But again, Agapova out of Kazakhstan, 23 years old, getting that type of respect from betters. Uh, you could be sure that that busted up a lot of parlays over the weekend. Did you happen to see the first fight of the night with Trevin five-star Jones against Teamer Valley of Ken Flo? You probably I, didn't see that. One. I did not. I did not. All right, so I'm just going to set it up very quickly. It was the biggest statistical comeback finish of the year thus far. He was negative 40 on the significant strike differential. But Teamer Valiev is the Mark Henry trained guy, has a lot of big show experience, and really came in with a lot of hype behind him. Mm -hmm. And so when I called the Trevin Jones knockout, I said, that's one of the biggest upsets of the year. He was plus 425, and, and Shauna Dobson did him one better. But the reason reason I set it up is really for the the human interest story. A guy, Trevin Jones, he's 12 and six idling, can't get into the UFC, lives in Guam, you know, came to the U.S. just hoping to somehow get a fight, gets a short notice opportunity against this Timur Valiev, who is an outstanding striker who hits you with everything but the kitchen sink from all these different angles. I'd imagine there weren't a lot of people who had a healthy appetite to fight him on short notice. But Trevin five star Jones is trying to bust that UFC door down and you know, his mom died when he was really young. So he moves to Guam with his grandmother. He thought he was in Hawaii, you know, and like, wow. they're like we're in Guam <laughs> and uh, not to say anything. I'm a beautiful place as well, of course. But yes. for a while, he thought he was in Hawaii. So this is what it's all about for me is a kid who five, seven days ago is not in the UFC, comes back, got hit with a body shot early. Chris Tognoni, the referee, gave him a chance to stay in the fight. Great mm -hmm. job by the referee in this instance. But to rally like that to show off your heart and your toughness, get it done on short notice and go back with a $50,000 bonus when you're literally 12 and six and not in the UFC a week prior, as bad as this year has been with COVID-19 and everything else, it's also produced stories like this. And uh, for me as a commentator, man, this is fucking what it's all about. 
It's amazing. You know, that and the Dobson fight, you know, th those are the kind of things that I think as a fighter, you want to know deep down inside, if you can go to that dark place, if you can yeah, come man. back uh, and do it against high level competition, it's one thing to do it on the local circuit, the regional circuit, whatever, uh, on the lower level, uh, lower levels of mixed martial arts. But to do that in the UFC when everyone's watching is it, just huge. I'm um, excited for those fighters. Um, and uh, I think that's the kind of stuff that really is going to give them a lot of confidence moving forward in their careers. On a different night, Joe Selecki would have been a bonus winner. I'm pretty high on this 155-pound fighter. Great. He gets moved up to the main card, submits Austin Hubbard from a standing position with a rear naked choke. I mean, you're the rear naked choke master. I mean, more often than not, you get somebody's back. The fight is over. Can you talk us through it a little bit for Selecki, the degree of difficulty, the Hubbard piece, if you got something on what he could have done defensively? Uh, what a great win for Joe Selecki. It was an awesome win. Uh, you know, for me, I think if you look at uh, Hubbard's last uh, fight against Roscoff, was yes, it? Sir. Um, you know, Roscoff just seemed really amped up and he, it seemed like he had some good grappling skills and things like that. Um, but for Selecki, you look at his demeanor out there of how calm and composed he was. Um, I, I think that really was the difference, even against Hubbard. Hubbard was a little hyped up and, you know, got a little excited. Selecki just always seemed like he was in control. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, why he wanted to do it and when to do those things. So he wasn't out there wasting a lot of energy. Once he climbed on the back, you know, for Hubbard, I think he was worried a little bit too much about the leg positioning than he was about the choke. When someone has their hands around your neck, that is the primary concern. Right. You're not trying to escape the position at that point. You're trying to survive and escape the submission first. Then you escape the position. And I think Hubbard didn't respect that choke enough, uh, you know, and just um, wasn't focused there and got taken out really quickly. You absolutely nailed Selecki, and I think if you sat down with him, that calmness would sort of resonate with you as well. That may be his greatest gift as a fighter, yeah. that he is just so collected in the moment, fans or otherwise. And I'm interested to see, especially at 155 pounds, the Ken Flo division, right? What happens to Selecki when he faces legitimate top 15, top 18 competition in the UFC? You know, because there are a lot of guys in their late 20s who early third, they feel like they're ready now. And sometimes it's a matter of getting that Benil Daryush, getting that Alexander Hernandez right. fight just to prove that you can be the guy, you know, it, so. it was awesome to see. It's rare that you see a guy. What is he? 26 years old. I think like that, I would something have like to that. Check. Young, I think he young. was, he's around 26 years old and to see a kid that young and that composed. I, I think uh, it shows that he definitely has um, a high ceiling and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him fight again. And he's a grappler, a lot of striking in there as well, but uh, he's not afraid to uh, to lean on what is his greatest gift. And uh, good kid, too. He's going to have a baby girl on September 14th, so we congratulate Joe Selecki. Hey, real quick, before we get to uh, Raymond Longo, Slow Mike Rodriguez could have been fighting for his job this weekend. We said the same of Marcin Pracnio, but uh, they get moved up to the co-main event slot, obviously, when Oban St. Pru tests positive for COVID-19. That OSP fight with Lonzo Menafield is going to be rebooked next month, which is a good thing. But uh, what'd you make a slow Mike at a pressure spot with a big KO? Man, uh, those elbows. I mean, those, those always are going to make me happy. And to see it come ah, from a guy yeah. from Boston, I was pumped to see it, man. Um, again, he's another guy. I think the difference in that fight, he seemed very composed, yet he was aggressive. You know, he moved forward, but didn't get too excited. He knew he had the range uh, advantage out there. He utilized the, the right long range weapons. And then when he got in tight, he dominated that aspect yeah. as well. Knees, short elbows. You don't have to swing like a madman in order 
order to get a knockout. If you're precise and if they don't see the shots coming, you can absolutely hurt or knock out your opponent. Rodriguez looked just phenomenal out there. Awesome Muay Thai, uh, great killer instinct, uh, just a great kid who I've met before. Awesome to see a, a tough New Englander get that win. And you know I'm an MMA I'm an MMA fan first, and I'm a commentator second in a lot of respects. And some of the finer details of the game sometimes are lost on me. And I think one thing I may be guilty of at times, and I'm okay promotionally saying this, is maybe overhyping a guy like Marcin Pracnio. But like when I'm getting ready to call this guy's UFC debut, and I'm mm-hmm. watching film, granted against lesser European competition, but. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see this guy in the big show. Now, all yeah. of a sudden, he's 0-3 with three knockout losses. And and maybe, you know, I don't know if I was watching a different guy or if it's just the big show has gotten to him. But, like, I was pretty high on Pracnio coming into the UFC. And I've been wrong before. I was wrong on him for sure. Well, John, you know, the, there's there's so many factors that go into it, right? Like you said, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, the bright lights of the UFC. Um, but I think really more than anything else, it was a very tough stylistic matchup. You know, styles make fights. Um, and I think Rodriguez was just a very tough matchup for him. I think Procneo does his best work on the feet and he just could not find his range uh, against the longer, rangier uh, Mike Rodriguez. And um, I, I think that's really what was so frustrating to him. And he just couldn't get it. He couldn't get anything going couldn't get that momentum going i think yeah maybe i just gotta stop focusing on the polish guys just because i married into a a (laughs) but yeah we feel good for uh the father of two dorchester's own mike rodriguez couple paychecks over the weekend with a knockout of marcin pracnio in a co-main event all right a lot to get to on Edgar and Munoz with Ray Longo. But before we do that, I want to let you know support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official electric razor of UFC Manscaped. So I delivered two of these lawnmower 3.0s to our UFC producers last weekend. And let me tell you, two more happy customers, folks. Manscaped truly has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy and is the best company in the world when it comes to men's below-the-belt grooming. Their top-notch ball trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean and without any of those nicks and cuts. Manscaped is also partnered with top-tier MMA athletes, middleweight champ Israel Adesanya, and future Hall of Famer Max Blessed Holloway, and also many others who understand that hygiene matters, and they also know what it takes to be the best. Well, so does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned the Lawnmower 3.0, features a great ceramic blade with proprietary advanced skin-safe technology. I'm telling you, accidents truly will become a thing of the past. And also, big picture for our listeners and viewers out there who may be men, probably don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using down there. So we want to help you get there, get to the promised land, so to speak, to get 20% off with free shipping. You go to manscaped.com right now, use the promo code AF. That's promo code AF for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And you know who really needs a lawnmower right now. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Starring Ray Longo. Are we so glad to have this guy? <laughs> And I know that people are sick of me talking about your hair, but Ken Flo, I think this is here to stay. I mean, you just look amazing. You really do. I, I, I want to see that thing as long as possible. I want to see a ponytail by 2021. Uh-huh. That's my goal. Listen, uh-huh. this is a chicken Caesar salad heavy on the romaine, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is no joke. I know the last time the last time we asked you about your hair, you said to us in all sincerity that everybody really likes it. and You're getting compliments left and right. And now we're devoting like two minutes of your minute segment 
to your hair. Well, let me ask something. Are you mad because my hair is competing with your mustache? No, no, I want, I need the mustache on the back burner. My friend, Jason Herzog, great referee who listens to this podcast, asked Dana White about the mustache. I'm like, Jay, love you, but we gotta, gotta keep the mustache down because mustache gets on Dana's radar. He doesn't like it. And then it goes away for good. So we need to keep the focus on your hair. But I, I think you're going to have, you're going to grow this out indefinitely now. Given I all think the it's, that's it. It's over. It's yeah. over. So uh, we sent you a microphone. You couldn't figure that out today for us. No, nah, huh? no, nah, I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I make no bones about it. I'm a total social media IT idiot. I, I To the max. <laughs> to the, I, Cody's going to give me some private lessons and I'll take them because I, I tell you, I'm really, I'm bad. I might as well be looking at a ham sandwich when I look at that microphone. <laughs> yeah. There's no difference to me. I think I'm hoping that that Cody can uh, can fix that problem for you. But you sound good. You look great. Uh, a lot to get to with you. I guess we'll start with Frankie Edgar and Pedro Munoz and work our way to uh, to Mizuki, who I know missed you, but did have Aljo in her corner. All right. So everybody in the world feels good for Frankie. And I know you are among them. What'd you make of his sort of inspiring effort there against a very tough Pedro Munoz. Well, look, I think you said the word inspiring. I mean, at 38 years old, I think we got, we got to put in perspective. What he did is phenomenal. And just eating those leg kicks, you see him hopping, limping out of the ring, how he held it together for 25 minutes. We can never take away the grit and determination of Frankie Edgar. You know what I mean? I look, I, it, it's power versus speed. It depends on what you like. Munoz would throw one shot. Frankie would come back with three. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of the leg kicks, that was the tempo of the fight, I would think. Right, Kenny? I mean, it just seemed like, any, you know, he made Pedro miss big. I, I, I think they both fought well. I really do. I think it's one of those fights where they fought. Neither guy really lost the fight. Frankie, for his age and everything else, dropping down for the first time. For Bantamweight, I just think that phenomenal. I mean, mm-hmm. I he, you can make a case for both guys. That that's the way I look at it, you know. And it, it's a shame. I think, you know, unfortunately, like I, you know, I like Frank. I like those guys. I, I think he won the battle, but lost the war in a certain regard, though, because the guy's getting older. I mean, I watched that that the countdown when he's talking about his kids. You got to love the guy. He's a great dad. This is a, that was, he took a lot of punishment, and okay. I don't think I want to see that going forward. But Frankie's a fighter, and uh, you know he definitely deserved the, the win. But I could see where Pedro's going nuts. It's a, it's a crazy fight to score, but what a great fight for the fans! I mean, awesome at the end fight. of the day, that was it. It was a a great five round fight. He's got more key value, and I think he he owned up to everything he's ever done in his career. I think I think it's fascinating what he did, considering his age and dropping down for the first time. You know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Ken Flo, you heard Ray mention the drop down to 135 pounds a couple time, I, I, times. I know you wondered aloud last week what type of impact that would have. Mark Henry has long said he wanted to see Frankie at 35, even when he was going through the process of moving down to featherweight. Mm-hmm. Is it a leap, though, Kenny, to just say after this one result that he should have been at Bantamweight all along? I mean, isn't there a price to pay with speed, even if you bring some size or power? I mean, he, I thought he looked great in this division, but I think it's a little bit of a leap to say he should have been there all along. I don't know. 
Yeah, listen, obviously you look at the success he had at 155 and 145. Um, but I do think, you know, you mentioned speed. I, I don't think that's as much of a factor now for Frankie at 135 pounds. I think that's where he did have an advantage, certainly at 155 pounds and probably still at 145 pounds. I think, though, where he will have an advantage here is with strength and experience. There's not a whole lot of guys at 135 pounds who has that five round experience that Frankie Edgar has. I, I I don't really know many guys. Maybe Jose Aldo might be the only one right now who who's fighting at a high level, but um, yeah, that really goes a, a long way. And again, without, you know, uh, making anyone feel bad. Um, but you see some guys take the calf kick, they get two, three, and what they're out of there. They're like, I'm out. Down. Take it easy. I'm out of yeah. here. Frankie yeah. Edgar. I mean, how many did he take? He took what, like three, maybe every couple minutes. So yeah. this guy is as tough as nails. That's a guy who's been there, who knows what it's like to be hurt, and who's just fucking tough as nails. Uh, yeah, unbelievable, really. It really is. I, I thought the performance was phenomenal, even just based on that, you know. So, yeah. And look, I did an interview after Marab's fight, I think, with Brett Okamoto, and, I, you know, he was asking me about Frankie at 35. My first thing I says, man, I would have loved to seen Frankie at age 30 at mm. 35. That's what I don't want to see him at right. 40 years old at 35. I know, I hear you. you know, I, I, as I'm getting older, I'm getting a little more protective and look, I got to deal with it with my guys. And look, we, we don't make the decisions for him. A lot of people say, you're the coach. You should do this. I just support my guys, whatever they yeah. want to do. You could, yeah. you could offer advice and, you know, but you no, know, these guys make a decent amount of money. I think they love, I think Frankie loves fight. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I mean, he fought him. He fought Pedro yeah. Munoz. There was yeah. no, there was no like hesitation. There was no, no, he looked, he looked good. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I just don't want to see the guy take that type of damage. I'd rather see him enjoy his kids and, yeah. and have a great time. I really would. He seemed that, 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 that special even broke me up man, watching that. Yeah. Watching Santino wrestle and the way he spoke about, it. he didn't care if, you know, the kid ever threw a punch or a, did a handstand. The guy's just a good dude. I, you know, oh, and I think you get wrapped up in some of this stuff. And I think he's got to really go back and weigh, you know, really what he wants to accomplish. He's got nothing to prove. I mean, the guy's a fucking legend and that's where it gets tricky. I don't want to say you know, his leg. He's not, he's not walking today. Trust me. I don't, and if he is, man, I give him a lot of credit, but well, you know, there are there are financial considerations, right? Uh, unfortunately, even the Hall of Fame athletes, yeah. they're not all heavyweight champions like Daniel Cormier that walk yeah. away closer to set than life, set yeah. for life than others, right? I mean, if Frankie's making three, four hundred grand a show, right? You got three kids, you know, yeah. tuition's coming down the pipe. I mean, I, you know, nice I do think that. Yeah. He, you're right. He is fighting for the love of the competition. He don't think he's anywhere close to retiring, right, but, right. uh, there's also some pretty good paychecks when you have that type of success and longevity that come along with, uh, with that appearance. Uh, so I also would say, I feel like Frankie, when he fought Benson Henderson, Ken Flo, I feel like that fight was more one-sided for Frankie. And yet he was on the wrong end of that decision. So I don't yeah. mind seeing a guy who's been Without on the wrong it, end yeah. of a couple scorecards, Ray, uh, right. get one to go his way, you know, you know, John, yeah, that's a great point. I, I literally, I tell my guys the same thing. You're going to get a couple, but they're going to come back to you. You know what I mean? So you're based on what you just said, you know what? Now even more, I think he deserved that victory because he did have a couple of fights where I thought he won. Yeah, that they didn't give him. And you're right. Just look, if you're in the game long enough, everything evens out. Yeah. So uh, 
I don't know if, if if Longo and Weidman MMA is like sexist against men or something, but you do a parade for Mizuki, and it looks like you have half of Garden City, New York there, twice as many balloons that any of these men have gotten for their parades. You're looking at me very seriously. I'm saying yes. this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, Ray, but Mizuki got the best parade by far. Aljo's fighting Corey Sandhagen in one of the biggest fights of the year. And you got two cars. I think you had a bicycle at some point for someone. I mean, Mizuki got the red carpet. Well, I mean, Aljo was the first one to go. He was the first okay. parade. Right. So we didn't have it down pat yet. But, you know, we have a lot of females in, in the uh, gym and they they kind of, okay. you know, run things for me anyway. I count on them a lot. So All they right. set up the parade. So you might be right. We might be a little sexist. But thanks I mean, for, it was one thanks car for after that the next. I'll probably have a bunch of groups now picketing the gym. But thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's, That's why you got so serious. Ray loves that. Ray loves yeah. that. I could I tell. It. Oh, it's a, it's your, it's a pro-women establishment. I understand that. I just couldn't <laughs> believe it. One car kept. Who was the tricycle parade for? Who was that, that was one for? That was for Volante because he's really not a <laughs> member. So that was kind of like. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. That's right. That uh, was, but that was tongue in cheek. So, uh, Amanda Lemos, what, what did you, uh, what did you make of, uh, Amanda Lemos and wait, wait, first off, Amanda Lemos, like, that girl can throw some heat, man. I'll tell you, Dang. but I thought Mizuki fought well, I have no, you know, I thought two and three were closer than people thought maybe, but I thought she did a good job with the control time against the cage half the fight. But, uh, I think that knockdown in the first round kind of set the tone for the fight as far as the judges go, and it is what it is. But uh, Lamos can throw, but I thought Mizuki did a good job of getting back, you know, back on a horse after that knockdown like nothing happened, right. and she was still pushing forward. And I think a couple of more rounds, a five-round fight, Mizuki maybe wears it down. But uh, uh, Lamos looks like no joke as far as yeah. sitting back and countering with big shots. I don't know. I mean, I was... Hoping Mizuki could get it to the ground so we could test that out a little bit, right. but it never happened. But uh, I thought Mizuki fought well. I got nothing, but I, I think she did a great job. No loss of honor or anything else with that fight for her. Yeah, I do really like Mizuki in that weight class. And, and also Amanda Lemos. I think she's going to be a problem, to your point, for a lot of people. And did you happen to notice me mention the parade on the broadcast for you? Did you hear of me? Course, let me tell you something. You know, John, very <laughs> good. I, you know what I noticed? Dominic Smith still can't let go of the Peterson thing. He can't Cannot. let it go. Dude, yeah. he just, Dominic he, he goes, he goes yeah. I'm glad they let these guys fight, and, you know, to the death. I'm and uh, He just can't do it. What's the, what is the matter with him? <laughs> he can't, but can he? Oh. I mean, well, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, wow, these guys, <laughs> you got to talk to somebody, Kenny. This is just, there he right. goes. He well, thinks nobody notices what he's doing either. Well, to the death. Guy, at least this ref let him, you know. Finish and get his paycheck in his window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy crow, Dom, slow down, buddy. If we know one thing about Dominic Cruz is he doesn't let anything go. Uh, he just yeah, he won't just let it go. Talk about He's taking that to the grave. Talk about harboring a grudge. I started yeah. smelling alcohol and cigarettes while I was talking. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hey, listen, before I forget. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I never watched it before, but I just started watching Kingdom. Um, I was addicted. I finished it, but you guys were great. Kenny had a big, you know, a couple of, yeah. have you guys ever talked about that show? <laughs> we well, haven't. We know, we have. Star power is all over that program. <laughs> no, Kenny, I, dude, I thought this, I thought that show was fantastic. I got addicted to it. You it's know, fun. They, it's know, a fun show, right? Well, they hit on a lot of topics that 
if you're in MMA, you could relate to. Yes. And I thought they did it. I thought the writer did a great job with that. You know, maybe a little over the top in places, but started off slow. But man, I thought they had some character development by the end of the series. It was I thought they did a great job. Everybody on that show. My portrayal of myself, I thought, was very realistic. I thought yeah, uh, I really uh, sold it. I really you sold did, it. You didn't yeah. stray too far away from. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Listen, you still got Al Pacino. <laughs> there you go. There that, you go. What? That, that's that's on your reel. I hope that's on your reel. <laughs> I got to do that. that. You have to do it. I'm telling you, that was fantastic. But, One uh, day I'll play another character that's not me. One day. We'll I see. love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And John Kenzo has legitimate, yeah. legitimate thespian chops. We got to ask Hanato <laughs> Lalanja if he'll let us repurpose that heat thing they uh, get on. He had a good podcast page. Was, Unbelievable. I, mean, I enjoyed the shit out of that. <laughs> if you have not seen Ken Flo and Hanato Laranja uh, doing whatever the hell they were doing with Pacino and Heat, go Google that shit right now. I'm still stuck on Dominic Cruz, right? Because oh, no. in, the, in the Cormier Stipe fight, right? DC yeah. is mounted up against the fence, but you know <laughs> that he's going to survive the round. And Dom's like, let's see. If the referee is going to allow DC to survive it, oh, sure as shit, he let him fight another fucking round. Yeah. He loves it. He, the guy is unbelievable. I was like, wow, he, this guy, how long do you think it'll be? How long is he going to harbor this grudge? Forever? Does he ever let it Forever. go? Forever. Forever. Forever yeah. He has an entire bag of ruffles, potato yeah. chips on his shoulder. It's not yeah. like a chip on his shoulder. He'll take that to the cremation chamber. Unbelievable. Sure. All right, let's see what else is on my list. Heaven forbid we keep Ian Parker waiting. Yeah. All right, Aljamain oh. Sterling. All right. Yes. Oh, well, here's I'm happy about Look, that was big news. Big. So here's the deal. So yeah. you know I always have Aljo on the forefront of my uh, 100%. mind. 100%. So, and especially so when he is the unquestioned number one contender. Respect to Marlon Marais. I love you. Yeah. So I'm thinking before the fight as I'm walking to the apex floor, what is Aljo rooting for tonight, right? So Aljo couldn't have a quick finish from Pedro Munoz. So my first thought was like a quick knockout for Pedro Munoz is not very good, right? Right. Because Pedro could be a super exciting champion. He puts people away, right? The other thing, obviously, a Frankie Edgar finish of some kind early is not going to be a great thing. But I found it very hard to believe, given the nature of how Edgar got that title fight against Max Holloway. I didn't think that Frankie was going to get the inside track to a title shot. So basically, you didn't want to finish and you didn't want Munoz to do something spectacular. And neither of those things happened. And Dana obviously acknowledged Aljo as the number one contender after the fight. Your thoughts? Yeah, John, there's no question about it. If Frankie would have went in there and knocked out or submitted Pedro in the first or second round, I believe they would have given him a shot. They would have found a way to, I'm telling you, and it's crazy, but that's why, well, listen, why didn't he announce it before? So we waited. He's already said he thinks Frankie needs more work, but if Frankie gets a dominant win, like a dominant win, he's getting that shot, I guarantee you. And that's why they waited. They didn't like what they saw, and Aljo's going to get the shot, which is fair and uh, very exciting. See, I feel like there was some trepidation even when Frankie was given the title fight against Holloway because of the Ortega fight. If, if I'm setting up that timeline correctly. Right. So right. I don't know. I don't know about all of that, but I, I respect the way you're feeling. I sort of looked at it as for Pedro Munoz, despite a head to head loss to Aljamain Sterling. Yeah. I'm just saying stylistically, he still, you know, would have won seven of eight or whatever. And he would have knocked yeah. out Frank. Yeah. I don't know. I could yeah. be wrong. Either way, all's well that ends well. And yeah. uh, I guess it's just on a timeline figuring out this COVID-19 climate to get to get Jan and Sterling to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, I can't wait, man. What a what a great fight that's going to be. And uh, 
talked to Aljo about it, you know, after the th- after uh, Dana made the comments. And this is big stuff, man. I said, can you get me a hat trick? Can you do it? And he sent me back three uh, Stanley Cups. I love it. So I think give it's me chills. Uh, come on, chills. man. This is big. This is huge. And Aljo's on a roll, man. He's got a great head for the game. I said I said it uh, the other night, you know, he's, he's a great coach, too, man. He's always great to have in the corner. And uh, big stuff, man. Big stuff. He deserves it. I think he, he came up the right way. And I can't wait. This is, this is huge. I am so excited about Piotr Jan as a fighter. But I will say to our audience, if Aljamain Sterling becomes the undisputed UFC Bantamweight champion, can you imagine what that episode of this show is going to be like on that Monday if Aljo's actually able to get that done? Well, you know, John, give, I, I, Yeah, we won't have Ray. Ray will be yeah. drunk uh, on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I got John. I expect nothing less than a tattoo somewhere. Tattoo for that one, huh? Well, if he wins, I mean, a five one six wouldn't be a bad idea. Since your <laughs> yeah. father, since we, your we, father on the grew, neck, since your right father here. grew up in Seaford, Long Island, I don't think yeah. it's a far stretch. Actually, you know, I, I do have one area code tattoo already. We're not trying to be ludicrous over here with fucking hoes and different area codes, you know. But you know, oh, the, the next two tattoos are obviously F.E. and Game Bread. You know, I would be maybe more inclined to do like a Jamaican flag for Aljo. Wow. I like weed. I mean, I don't know. Are you put a New York area code on my Boston body? We're not doing that. We're not doing well, definitely, but You don't want to. You're holding Boston strong. That's yeah, it. we're not going to put a New York area even code on. And let's even, just, though even though your father's from Long Island. You no, know, no, that is uh, <laughs> that is not Eddie, happening. I'm just he, hoping. He can't even admit. He's never admitted his father's from Long Island. He can't even admit it. No. It's crazy. No, he's, he's bought Boston sports through and through. If uh, I just hope Stockton, California doesn't change their area code to like 972. Because this 209. <laughs> <laughs> that was for nothing. Yeah. Uh. All right, I'll get you out of here on this, Ray. And again, hair looks great. So Chris Weidman making news. And I think the good news is off a win, now everybody's calling him out, right? Everybody wants the former champ. Marvin Vittori doesn't look like the Italian dream is going to go to the front of the line. And looks like Weidman not interested in the Luke Rockhold rematch either. So, uh, But good news is, obviously, he has traction again, and people are interested in in fighting Chris. Yeah, look, I'm happy. I'm happy he got the W. He's, He's out of here. By within a week, we're going to go out to eat on uh, Thursday and uh, man, They're there's moving. so much up in the air with the gym and everything. But, yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be gone. But I do believe he's going to do his camps here. We've spoke about it. And uh, I'm just happy he got the win. And uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. One 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 fight. At, I look, I told him this before and I'm going to say it over. and over. it's one fight at a time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I you know, these guys are at a point now where they're getting a little older and the injuries are mounting up, but luckily he's really healthy and he went in there healthy and he came out healthy. So that's a huge plus. Well, and I wish you all the best with the gym and I know you guys will figure it out. I mean, all you need is four walls and you'll figure all of that stuff out, but it's interesting in this climate Ray, right? Because people have had to get creative with garage gyms and everything oh, else. Yeah, it's crazy. Them. And plus, listen, we have to get the health department. They have to tell us what they want. I just hope the regulations and the rules aren't going to, really put a damper on what we had going, which who knows, we'll, we'll figure right. out within one right. week we have to know though. So it's a All crazy, right. crazy time. 
Well, but, uh, we can take this conversation off the air, but maybe, uh, you know, Barstool Sports right now is trying to buy the naming rights for the Buffalo Bills Stadium. Maybe the Anakin Florian podcast can buy the naming rights to Longo and Weidman MMA, and it can be uh, – no, Ken Flo's name's already on know, a couple of gyms, but I gotta, I'm just thinking outside the box. I got to tell you, Kenny, I'm starting to think this damn podcast is doing better than I was led to believe. <laughs> <laughs> he's buying, he's buying the Longo Weidman franchise. Like, that's <laughs> at a cheap price. Yeah. We think big. We think big, Ray, over here. We're taking over the world. I think it was a good time to inject our names into the mix because Wyman's moving to South Carolina next week. So you never know. Exactly. Exactly. But listen, um, where the heck am I? Uh, What the hell was I going to say? No, anyway, I wanted to say thank you for all. I mean, I got so many nice compliments on on Twitter, man. I want to thank all the people. If I don't get back to you, man, sometimes it's because I'm running around crazy. But, man, I got a lot of love. I'm normally used to getting bashed. It's almost uh, feels yeah. weird when the love is coming through, you know? <laughs> I like when they're yelling at me and cursing at me. But, uh, man, it was a great, uh, great uh, experience. Well, we are so thrilled to have you a part of the show. Obviously, 264 episodes running. And, of course, when Cody pushed out that tweet about people's favorite part of the podcast – for a lot of people, it's you. And uh, once we get your microphone set up, there's a lot right. of momentum to have you just be a part of the show from minute one. So uh, we're hopefully gonna, that'll we're gonna be going to go berserk in 2021. Yeah. Berserk. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just make sure you check in with Cody if you ever decide to cut the hair because contractually you're not allowed to cut it, at least right now. <laughs> I love it. It's not going anywhere. All right, buddy. Have a great week. We'll talk to all you next right, week. guys. Love you all, man. Take it easy. Love Bye. you too. There he is. Raymond Peter Longo every goddamn week dating to episode one. Here on the Anakin Florian podcast. All right. Ian Parker now joins us live on social media. He is at Ian Parker MMA. And we are also now joined on video by our new video producer and chief marketing officer, Cody Merrow. I'm sick of all these tweets to get his blue eyes on cameras. We fucking put the kid on camera today. Cody, it's great to see you, my friend. John, we got to give the people what they want. They want the mustache. They want the Ray Longo. Now you get the Merrow. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if they want the mustache, but we do want the millionaire maker, Cody Merrow. And uh, at least I wanted to acknowledge all your contributions to this podcast on the air before we get to your segment, which is the pronunciation of the week. But we're thrilled to have you. Don't fucking ever leave because now I'm outing you to an entire audience if you leave us at the altar. But uh, we love having you at the hell, man, for sure. Hey, well, I'm happy to be here, John, but it might be payback because a while back I said, John, I'm going to run 30 days in a row. And then John Anna comes on the podcast right. to our 50,000 subscribers and goes – Cody Merrill is going to run 100 days in a row. So That's here right. I am, day 38. I'm down to 11% body fat. I'm really trying to kill it for you guys. But damn, man, you really put the pressure on. <laughs> yeah, I did up it to 100 days. Ian Fuck Parker, you. <laughs> Fuck you. 11% body fat. Get, the, get, get this fucking Twilight beautiful looking guy off the fucking camera. What is this shit? <laughs> All right, we're going to get to your segment pretty quickly, and uh, I think the duck just swelled his fan base with that fuck you right there. All right, so the pronunciation of the week was TJ DeSantis' segment for a while. Cody is our producer now, so he gets this segment, and I'm very excited that Cody is going to be doing this because I know how seriously he takes this mixed martial arts stuff. So we told you last week that my good friend Heidi Dean, who Ken Flo knows all too well from the UFC, jack of all trades, she had a little crush on Cody Merrow. I don't know if she's just in love with his eyes or the whole Cody Merrow package, but Cody is our producer, and as such, we're going to out him. And I figured for the first one, it should be a girl on which he has a crush. So today's pronunciation of the week is a fighter that Cody Merrow has a little bit of a crush on, this strawweight was scheduled to face Poliana Viana back on March 7th at UFC 248. She missed weight, Cody, so we'll have to take that up with your future girlfriend. She was fined 
bout was going to proceed, but then she was hospitalized. The fight was canceled. It has since been rescheduled. It goes down this Saturday night. Cody Merrow, of whom am I speaking? John Anik, you are speaking of the Spitfire, Emily Whitmire. All right, let's hear her say it. Emily Spitfire Whitmire. Seems simple, right? Seems simple. And I think the audio file, Ken, flows a little bit open to interpretation. So I once revoiced something. Instead of saying Emily Whitmire, I said Emily Whitmire because she emphasizes the Meyer and not the wit. Am I wrong? I think you're right. We're going to make Cody's wrong. Yeah, we're going to make you want to know. But I do play that file instead of like Poliana Viana to just illustrate to people how difficult it is that you think you see Whitmire, right? And you don't even need, need to go look at the file. But I'm telling you, Buff, you got to go read it. You got to go listen to it because it's Whitmire. So emphasis on the second syllable. It is Emily Whitmire. All right. Today's main event challenge is brought to you by OddShark.com. OddShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddShark and start playing like a shark today. That is OddShark.com. Don't forget the second S. All right, so Team Florian had the lead 101 to 99, and courtesy of Ken Flo's selection of Frankie Edgar by decision. Team Florian wins the week 6 to 1. The lead is now 107 100. Ken Flo extends the lead to 7. That's pretty big here in late August, Ken Flo. The plus 200, Oof. the foul, the method, pretty good. Ian's got some work to do. He's got some work to do. Pressure's on. Big weekend. I'm like the George, the Jorge Masvidal spits of split decision losses on this part of the show. <laughs> it's amazing. By the way, next week we should have Cody spell apple. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, hey. yeah, look, that was my worst nightmare. Uh, not only Kenny, when they, listen, I rather Frankie won by a finish than decision. And Kenny, we may have to take this up on a different segment, but I've watched this fight five times. All right, it was five close. Times. I'm going to fucking say it. I'm going to say it now, and I'll do it as my parting shot. You're going to say Frankie won. Listen, get the fuck out of here. The fact that any judge scored round three for not Pedro is a travesty. Just go watch round three. Don't watch any other round. Watch Because that's the difference maker. And that's what bothers me. And listen, I love Frankie. Good for him. Sorry, we'll get to this. But I don't like that you fucking just took such a big lead on some bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, Frankie. Yeah, yeah. Legitimate win. We got some work to do three picks for you for this Saturday's <laughs> UFC fight night Smith versus Rockich. First up will be a flyweight. This fight initially scheduled for late June, but due to COVID-19 travel restrictions, it gets delayed two months. Alexa Grasso minus 310. Ji Kim plus 255. Little backdrop for you. First, Grasso missed weight back in January by five and a half pounds for what was to be a strawweight fight against Claudia Gadelia. So she's moving up to flyweight now against Jiyun Kim. She missed weight for her last two fights, Ian Parker, but that includes a knockout of Nadia Kasim, which was a UFC 243 in October of 2019. Your thoughts on Grasso moving up, IP? What do you think? Yeah, the fight against Kasim was. Uh... Kind of funny the way Cassim kind of took, you know, went at her and got dropped. Like, what was it? She didn't touch gloves. Then she got rocked right away. Right. Uh, and Cody, it's Apple. We'll we'll go over that for next week. But uh, yeah, you know, for me, this is a good move for Grasso. I didn't see that big of weight loss happening last time. I was a little shocked because she's been very professional 
her whole career. Uh, I like Alexa Grasso here. I think she'll be better everywhere. Uh, she just got to be really careful with in the pocket, swinging away. I think if she makes it some more technical fight, uh, Kenny's smiling right now. And God help me if you take the underdog here. God fucking help me. If he takes the underdog, I'm switching my pick just to not get fucked up to this week. But uh, for now, I'm taking Alexa Grasso. He threw me off. I, Kenny... Listen, I thought Kenny was going to come in this week really pissed off for the obvious reasons <laughs> of Ryan Hall and everything. Yeah. I thought we were going to get Kenny sitting back all like, I don't even want to be here. But this guy's smiling from ear to ear over Alexa Grasso versus I don't even know how to pronounce the other one's name. So I'm going to go Grasso. If you pick the underdog and you hit this, I'm going to be really fucking pissed. I was, just, I was just thinking I should just be a dick and just pick exactly like Ian Parker for the rest of the year and just hold Fuck on to that. this read that I, I have. I might do that. I, I just might that do that three, just to I piss you that. off. Ah, that will piss me off. I said that three weeks ago. You know what? We Then I'll have to just take opposite of what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I watch every fight and you do not. So I will text John during the card. I'll even tweet it. My tweets go live, bro. I will tweet to Zach Candino. Uh, Yo, uh, here are my You're right. You're right. I won't do that. 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 Alexa Grasso is going to win this fight. Dan Fowler likes Alexa Grasso. A lot of people felt like she could make a run at 115. Weight, weight cut was too much. That's a good All pick. that All right. for that. Oh, All right, man. co-main event at welterweight. We're going to have Ken Flo lead the co-main event here because Ian did not approve the new rule. It's Neil Magny, <laughs> minus 250. Ruthless Robbie Lawler is plus 210, at least for now, until... Mm. A lot of the casual fans load up on Robbie Lawler this weekend. I say that with all due respect. We'll need the round and the method of victory here. So, Ken Flo, first fight for Lawler since the loss to Colby Covington in August of 2019. 23rd UFC appearance for Magny, who all of a sudden has regained momentum, wins in four of his last five. He's second only to your former training partner, George St. Pierre, with 16 UFC welterweight wins. Magny, a pretty big favorite here, Ken Flo. What do you think about Neil out Neil Magny versus ruthless Robbie Lawler. Uh, Magny's a stud, man. I, listen, I don't see Magny stopping Robbie Lawler here. I, I just don't. I think that he could outpoint Robbie Lawler in this fight, but he's going to have to be extremely disciplined. Uh, and he's going to have to hope that Robbie Lawler doesn't go out and try to take his head off. I think if Robbie Lawler tries to play a technical fight here against Magny, he will lose. But I think um, it, Robbie Lawler has been one of those guys. It's very difficult to kind of predict because he doesn't fight so often. And we're not quite sure what kind of Robbie Lawler is going to show up. Um, I like Robbie in this one. I actually like him as an underdog. I, I think he's going to look for an opportunity to kind of be patient and then kind of unleash hell on Magny. Um, and I think he's going to, you know, unleash an overhand left at some point against Magny and be able to get on the inside. I don't see Magny uh, being too much of a threat as far as the takedown game. Lawler could definitely wrestle. Uh, and I think at some point Lawler will get uh, an opportunity to hurt Magny. And if you're hurt against Robbie Lawler, that dude's an absolute lion. He smells blood. He's going to take you out. I like Robbie Lawler in that one. And are you going TKO decision? What do you think? Let's go round two TKO. Round two, TKO for Robbie Lawler, the pick to click for Ken Flo. So, Ian, last August, Newark, New Jersey, Lawler outclassed by Colby Covington. Probably not my best verb choice, but 50 to 44 on one of the three judges' scorecards. It's been a while. Magny's got momentum again. I know you were sort of intrigued by both of the underdogs at the top of this card. What do you think about Lawler in that plus 210 range? Not anymore. Kenny uh, came in here and fucking just keeps on fucking <laughs> sticking the knife. Uh, Kenny, Kenny has not picked a non-decision oh. since January. He's up. 
he's taking fucking TKOs now. Um, look, I did like Robbie Lawler here, but then I'm thinking to myself that Colby Covington fight, we that Robbie Lawler wrestling defense looked like the Swiss cheese defense. You know, it really he was getting taken down at will. We weren't seeing that same Robbie and. I think him at his age at this point being unpredictable is not the unpredictable we used to be afraid of, the violence aspect. And I think Neil Magny, I did, if Kenny took Neil, I was going to take Robbie here. But this gives me a chance now to not have to roll the dice on a plus 200 number. Neil Magny's a smart fighter. He doesn't usually put himself in danger. He has the ability to wrestle and he's got cardio for days. I think where Robbie may be swinging for the fences in the beginning to try and take his head off, I'm hoping that he goes for that in round two. That's when Neil usually shines. And that last fight against Rocco Martin against another cardio guy, we saw Magny kind of turn it up. We saw him face a little bit of adversity after that round one. We weren't really sure what we were getting there. I think the combinations, I think the speed will be in his favor. And I think the wrestling and cardio. So give me Neil Magny by decision at the moment. All right, Ian Parker likes Neil Magny by decision in the co-main event. And that brings us to the main event in the light heavyweight waters. Alexander Rockich minus 290. Anthony Lionheart Smith plus 245. We will need the round and the method of victory. So this line seems way wider than I expected it to be, Ian. You know, again, there are two different ways you can analyze it as a better, right? Gun to my head, who do I think wins? Or where do I see the value, right? Those are two different things. I don't know why Anthony Smith is plus 245. I don't know if people are putting too much stock into that Glover Teixeira result and thinking this is too quick a turn. I think the world of Rockich. He won like 10 in a row before he ran into Uzdemir, obviously, last December. A lot of people feel like Rockich has that championship ceiling. Uh, but plus 245 for Anthony Smithy, and I think is going to be juicy to some people. Give us your thoughts and ultimately a pick on the main event if you'd be so kind. Yeah, no, um, I know. Yeah, listen, uh, I'm listening. My bad. Sorry, my, my battery showed up as 20 percent. In this type of situation here, I feel like we keep running into this with the Sean O'Malley's, with the Shabazians, with these young guys that are hitting the, you know, the track really fast. And then they run into a seasoned veteran, right? Now there's an airplane flying over my head. Anything to make noise. Just as long as, as long as it's not children, I think I'm okay with it. All right, cool. Yeah. I I put muzzles on them. So we're good. Um, I think Anthony Smith has a clear path to victory here. It's his cardio and he's got to take this fight to the ground. I am kind of surprised that, Rockage coming off of a loss like that. And just because Smith got dominated by Glover, that they're re- like, this is bizarre to me. I thought maybe it would have been Rockage minus 130 or even Anthony Smith minus 125 based on who he's fought, where he's been. You know, it, it's hard to not take a stab here at Anthony Smith. I think the ground game is where, oh, Kenny, you were going to go Anthony Smith, weren't you? I'm going to, this is unbelievable. I can't catch a break here. I think Anthony Smith, the experience he's had fighting literally everybody in the division, the jujitsu game, he's got to use it. He's got to use those calf kicks that have really worked out for him as well. He cannot get in a slugfest or a kickboxing fight, though, with a guy like Rackage. We see the power he has, and he's got good technique. Listen, Uzdemir had a really good plan. I thought that fight, um, Vulcan did exactly what he needed to do. If Anthony Smith follows that blueprint but also goes into the clinch, gets the fight to the ground, he could get it there and he could do it. Anthony Smith. I really want to go by submission here, but ah, give me, give me decision at the moment. All right. Ian Parker goes with the underdog, Anthony Smith. Ken Flo, I would respectfully disagree with the suggestion that Anthony Smith could have been favored here. I do believe Rockich deserves to be the favorite huge discrepancy in experience for Anthony Smith, but Huge discrepancy in winning percentage, right? Overall success rate in terms of mixed martial arts contests 
for Anthony, uh, for Alexander Rockets. So I'm fascinated by the main event, especially given how wide open this division seemingly is now. Dominic Reyes, Jan Blachowicz for the vacant title. Winner here could have an inside track on a title fight maybe in 2021. What do you think about Rockets and Smith here in about five days, kid? Yeah, I also think Rocket is just very dangerous on the feet, man. He could definitely get it done uh, by knockout against Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith sometimes leaves his chin hanging out there and, um, you know, not the fastest 205 pounder in the world. Um, Rocket is very dangerous, but um, I, I do like Anthony Smith here as well. I, I think Anthony and his experience and I, I think his motivation to come back after that last performance against Glover Teixeira, I think. Um, I think we're going to see a uh, Anthony Smith that is going to be uh, much sharper, much smarter. Um, I like Anthony Smith to try to go in there and try to clinch, take this fight down to the ground where he can either get a TKO or submission. So uh, I like Anthony Smith. Let's go round three uh, TKO. All right. Kempfel likes Anthony Smith by round three TKO. And before we get out of here, Ian, I mean, Who's who do I have to pick a bone with to to get you to not get up in the middle of the segment? I mean, is it your dog? Is it your wife? Is it your kids? I mean, we give you 20 minutes. You got to get off camera for a minute. What just happened? Um, well, I was hoping you wouldn't say anything. And Kennedy, I mean, and uh, Cody, Cody would edit it. Right. Yeah. And make me look like the fucking flash right there. But you caught <laughs> my fucking shit out. Did you see how fast I moved? It wasn't very fast. Yeah. Just tell faster. us where I you were fast. Just tell us where you went and I'll be good. Uh, my 13 year old dog that doesn't know where he is, was barking at a pole. Okay. Instead of the door. Okay. He was pawing, he was pawing at one of the columns of my house. He could actually open the door and get in. I leave it unlocked. He knows what he's doing, but he can't hear me anymore. He's a little fucking senile. He was literally barking at his own shadow for an hour last night. I videotaped it. It's hilarious. I love him, but, uh, sometimes you got to enjoy funny parts or the sad parts, but yeah, no, he's good. But yeah, I apologize. Uh, Cody. We do a little flip that, switch that, add a little vinegar and separate it. Thanks. Not uh, today. He's a duck. He's a duck <laughs> on social media at Ian Parker MMA. And we promise all the audio files out there that Ian Parker indoors next Monday. We love you, Ian Parker. And we got to get on out of here. It's all love, my man. It's all love. Episode 264 is in the books. We'll be back next Monday because the UFC is not going dark a single week the rest of 2020. So we will look ahead to UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Sakai coming up September 5th at the world-famous UFC Apex. And, of course, a recap on Rockage and Smith. And I'm always interested to see if the predictions from our guys move those betting numbers because they both like Anthony Smith at plus 245. Kenflo likes Lawler plus 210. We'll see how it all plays Saturday night. It's yours on ESPN+. Plus, this has been a production of the Veracity Media Group. Thanks to our producer, Cody Merrow. Thanks to Ray Longo, Ian Parker, Ken Flo, sorry we're not going to see you cornering Ryan Hall this weekend, man. You know, I really am. I wanted to see you in that corner, Cam, in the worst fucking way. Man, you know, I'm disappointed. I was upset about it, but uh, definitely not more upset than Ryan Hall, who had a little medical issue that he needs to sort out. Um, He was working his ass off to get in that second go against Ricardo Lamas, not able to do it. And, um, you know, hopefully he'll be able to compete and get the medical clearance that he needs uh, in the next few months. I'm just so excited to see Ryan Hall try to make that upward trajectory. And uh, it isn't going to be this weekend. They have found a replacement for Ricardo Lamas, but we'll see if Hall gets that big fight. All right. We will talk to everybody again next Monday. Until then, we thank everybody for supporting the show. Audio, video, and podcast.com. There's merchandise out there as well. Campos Jiu-Jitsu School, MeraukeeBJJ.com. Don't forget the Florian Martial Arts Center in Brooklyn, Massachusetts, either. Sleep well, everybody. Don't text and drive. Put on your fucking mask. We'll talk to you next Monday. <laughs>